sands through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am the long-lost Drazen brother, Michael Howard. Drazen. Drazen. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, man, hour 17 of this Ooh. bad boy. Um, first, before we dive into it, um, I want to thank all of our new listeners. We've had a, an influx of folks. Uh, and it wasn't too long ago that we were pulling in about 20 listeners a week. And... Uh, <laughs> That has exploded, so I, I know. And I'm that pretty can't sure that all- was just me listening to it like eight times. Yeah, so, so it it always shocks me that it's uh, Curtis. You mentioned it's not just our friend listening. No, so uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, jumping on board, and I hope you you come back. So, um, fellas, this was a pretty buck wild episode. Things got weird. Yeah. Things got <laughs> real weird. Things got wild. Real fast. I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, just to give a quick recap, um, Terry Bauer has just been picked up by a complete stranger in a car. Uh, driving through the mountains after seemingly watch her daughter Kim slide off a cliff and die in a never-ending fireball. <laughs> uh, so Jack and Nina have just climbed into a helicopter at CTU with uh, Eliz- Elizabeth Nash, a uh, aide to Senator David Palmer, to ensnare uh, our sexy assassin Alexis Drazen in a classic honeypot. Um, and uh, Keith Palmer has caught Carl Webb in a web of secret recordings. Uh, and we see that Kim Bauer is... Of course, tragically, alive and well. <laughs> it's now 4 p.m. So we open with a nice shot of the valley. Multiple sp- split screens of Kim limping up a valley road, shouting for Terry. Uh, and of course, because someone <laughs> mentions a name, we cut to Terry in a car just full of amnesia. Wait a minute. Can we talk about Kim yelling while she's still being hunted by yeah. an assassin? <laughs> Mom! Mom! <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you... Damn it, you're just going to Kim it all up. Yeah. You're going to Kim up all over the place. So, I can't stand it. So... Uh, we, fellas, we saw the uh, Terminator Salvation movie together with uh, Christian Bale a couple years ago mm-hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so there was one scene in that movie which Kim reminds me of at almost every turn when she's being hunted by assassins. So in that movie, someone makes the claim that hunter killer drones hunt by infrared. And then no less than four seconds later, that person and their crew are sitting around a fire in the middle of the <laughs> desert. <laughs> so like Kim actively does everything that's bad for her after after like knowingly saying things are bad for her. Okay. So because everyone knows the desert is hot, yeah, even just, at, even at night, even at night, okay. it's just so hot. Yeah. Um, so we cut to Terry. She's just amnesic as shit. Uh, she's cleaning herself off in a mirror. Okay, I and, have one. Uh, so I have one thing that just popped into my head just now. Yeah, please. Um, Bring it. the assassin or, or what was his name? Jovan? Which one? Which assassin? The one who's in the car, the Jaguar, right? Uh, Jovan, Jovan Mijovic. Yes. In the red Jaguar. <laughs> yes. The, the, Cro- the crossbow assassin. The crossbow poon assassin. Um, the poon assassin. <laughs> so he, I mean, I know he, he kept driving for, for several minutes, but he could have gotten that far. I feel like he would have heard a car exploding approximately 74 times. He certainly would have seen the column of smoke emerging from the car because like they made it seem massive mm-hmm. and also like emergency personnel would have seen this column <laughs> of smoke no one no one shows up at any point in this episode um and we learned that t- uh, kim might have made it as far as five miles away which seems very oh, unlikely. okay sure. um but yeah to your point michael yovan should have run into her also we're, we got an interesting point with yovan we brought up we brought up his vehicle of choice last week that that comes up again on this one but so we cut to Terry in a car with uh, our driver, Miss uh, Polly Perrette uh, of NCIS fame. 
we learn her name is Tanya. And nope. <laughs> yep. nope, no, sir. What's her name? What's her name again? Kevin? Tanya. Her name is Abby. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was um, like, is he saying it wrong? Is it supposed to be Tanya? <laughs> Tanya? Nope. Um, which actually, I, I wrote a note on this later. Um, I'll bring it up now. It was weird seeing her not playing like weirdo, like nerdy goth science girl. Like she's a good actress. Like I can't stand her in NCIS, but like. She was great, like pretty good she in this, was, given like I what kept, she had to work with. I kept feeling like something was gonna happen to her. Right. Um, like well, she just so, kept asking weird questions. Like she just turns to her and is like, "You come for money?" Yeah. So, like, what the what the shit? Which was which was some bull. Her reason for that was complete. Yeah, bullshit. you look right. like it. Yeah. Like so, maybe your family or your husband. Well, here, let's we'll, we'll get to that in a second because I did an inordinate amount of research <laughs> on that line. Um, so anyway, uh, so Tanya tells Terry that she's never met anyone with amnesia before, which <laughs> oh, no seems shit. like a weird, which is like a is a weird thing to say. And then we learn that she's taking Terry to the hospital, which, like, given Terry's history with hospitals today, like, if anything should trigger her out of amnesia, that should be it. She's like, no, don't take me to the fucking hospital. Yeah. No, it's just the restaurant where she apparently goes every week. Yeah. I, I still don't know. We yeah. can get oh, there. Oh, oh, oh we're getting yeah, there. We're gonna get there. So, <laughs> so Terry just says, okay, that's fine. And then Tanya says, so you come for money? You look like you might. Or your husband. And Terry's like, husband. And she calls her attention to the wedding band on her finger. And Terry obviously does not remember Jack, remember anything. And so... I tried to look up what someone like Jack Bauer might have made in 2001. The closest I could find was a special agent in charge of in the FBI. Jack probably pulls in something close to one hundred ninety thousand uh, dollars. So well, here's 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 it's doing okay in LA. No, I get that yeah. she's it, it's okay, right? But her her point of, of of going off of was her wedding ring, which to be honest here. Couple of us are married. That that ain't much. Yeah. <laughs> that was a spec. Mm-hmm. I didn't even see a diamond in that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, so and she even like, says like she says the the band of gold on your finger. She doesn't mention like the engagement. Right. Like, yeah. It's just right. Like, no rock. Like there's like there's some baguettes in that bad boy, but that's about well, it. So. I assume that when I assume that she said that in response to uh, her saying husband, not right. not to the fact that she had money. What concerned me more was that she said, "Oh, you must have come from money when." Terry literally just got done napping in the dirt, like face down in the dirt. Like, yeah, you look like you come from money because that's where to be, dirt to people To be fair, sleep. though, she is wearing the executive <laughs> coat, so. That's a good, that's a good it's point. The, it's, it's the executive. It's the short hair. It it harkens back to a, an earlier, like, like a 90s executive lady time. <laughs> sure. Well, since someone mentions Terry's husband, we cut to Jack and the CTU team arriving at the hotel with Elizabeth. Jack reintroduces himself to uh, Secret Service agent Aaron Pierce and says, oh, yeah, we met at the senator's breakfast this morning, you know, when he almost died. And Pierce apologizes, apologizes to him and says, to Jack, what the he says, shit? He says, sorry about that. We didn't know the kind of pressure you were under because Jack specifically didn't tell them and then like escaped custody by like steaming a couple of agents <laughs> in the face with scalding hot steam. Like, like a maiming <laughs> agents, basically. Yeah. Jack puts a number of men really, in the hospital. The Secret Service isn't really up to their job in the show. We already discussed that. 
Um, and this is seen further in this scene where Jack has to tell them how to surveil and protect mm, people yeah. right. in the hotel. Right. So, so Jack introduces the rest of his team. We see Nina Myers, uh, two agents named Johnson and Alshier. They're uh, technicians who are going to set up cameras in the room. And Elizabeth Nash walks up and just says she's sorry for causing so much trouble, which is, again, she... She has like a weird streak of conscience in the episode and everyone has to like assure her that she's doing the right thing. But um Aaron Pierce assures her that she's super duper brave for walking into a room with Drazen. This and is Jack- the worst plan ever. The more I thought about this plan of sending a person who has zero training whatsoever into a room with a known fucking assassin. It's like the yep. worst fucking plan well, in the history what, what- of worst plan. The translation of what Aaron Pierce says to her is essentially, you didn't know who he was while you were fucking him. But now you know he's a world-class assassin. Uh, good luck. You're probably going to die. <laughs> like, that's really what he said to her. Yeah, like, <laughs> if, if Alexis Drazen was half the the assassin that they say he is, he would have murdered her in the first 30 seconds she walked in the room and was acting weird as shit. Right. So, of all the ways that this thing should and could go poorly... It goes poorly in the, like, the dumbest way possible. And again, Michael, to your point, like, pretty predictably from his point. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. So Jack breaks up the, uh, Aaron Elizabeth pity party and says, uh, you know, hey, we gotta get rolling. Uh, so Aaron brings him to Drazen's room, room 1243, which he says Jack can set up however he wants. Uh, and Jack says that gives us less than 30 minutes to set up audio and visual. Um, okay. So anyway. We knew that Drazen had arranged to meet Elizabeth at 4.30. So, yeah, obviously, less than 30 minutes because it's already, like, 4.02. Um, this is all kind of assuming that Drazen doesn't plan to get back to the hotel even a little bit early to give himself, like, a sex pep talk or, like, take a bird bath to clean off those balls yeah, uh, after throw, doing some murder. Throw some, throw some uh, <laughs> you know, cologne up in there. Yeah, just... A little Dracar Noir, bro? Yeah. yeah just, uh, or just, you know, take a little bird bath. Something. <laughs> So like and, and again, what if Drazen, the world class assassin, hasn't put any surveillance equipment at all in his own hotel, or that this group of people that has like been nineteen steps ahead of Jack at every step of the way doesn't have like someone else in the hotel just like watching proceedings, like oh, I just want to make sure he's fine. <laughs> like <laughs> so, there's a lot of leaps of faith. A lot of one. leaps of faith. They went on an assassin field trip. We're all going, guys. This is no big deal. We're doing Let's it. Do this. <laughs> so Jack sets off his technicians to get coverage of every part of the room from at least two angel angels. Uh, angels. Uh, and <laughs> then he angels. goes to talk with Chris <laughs> from at least two Chris angels. And then he goes to talk with Nina to take uh, Elizabeth uh, across the hall to room 1242. And um, Aaron Pierce tells Jack that every entrance to the hotel is covered with a checkpoint and every approach to the hotel from all four sides is covered to a blockout. Uh, we learn that all civilians are off the floor, and um, Jackson just basically says, yeah, good work. Let me know as soon as Drazen enters the hotel. It's like, just giving orders to the Secret Service, Curtis, to your point. It's like, I gotta tell you how to, how to do shit. Yeah, but I mean, he shows some surprising operational competency for a person who literally hasn't done his job in 17 hours. Well, to be fair, Aaron Pierce has not really been involved in most things. Like, it was that uh, that Bill Buchanan guy, maybe? No, I'm saying Jack. Oh, Jack, okay. Jack Jack actually looks like, I mean, he sounds at least like he knows what he's talking about. I feel I mean, like he I, might again, just be saying operational buzzwords, though. I mean, for the most part, I think Jack is a, a capable field agent. He's a bad manager. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. But uh, so as as we uh, as we get that uh, conversation between uh, Jack and Aaron, we got a tiny clock. Our first of the episode, it's 4.05. Please take a drink. 
Um, and we cut to the blue sedan with Tanya and Terry. Uh, Terry pulls, tells her to pull over because she sees something that she remembers, and it doesn't appear to be anything that we've seen before. Um, and so Terry just says, I've been here before. I was with someone. Uh, basically we get a, we get a manager who comes over, uh, or Terry asks for a manager. She learns he's going to be there in 20 minutes and she just says, I'm going to wait. It's just, okay. 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 They've lit, they've literally driven what at this point? Six minutes? Yeah. Five minutes? And they've gotten to a restaurant that she's been to enough times that the manager knows who the fuck she is, yet she well, we doesn't don't, we don't know, know she like she doesn't know where she was before. We don't meet the manager yet, so we don't know that. Well, She's not just confused. Yet, but I'm she saying did. like <laughs> this episode, like the time space continuum here. So this 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 episode is clearly just they don't know what to do with Taylor. <laughs> like, but it's clear like her whole thing. Like, we could probably even run through it right now. Like, she just has a bad beat. Like, so Tanya, Tanya does a nice thing and gives her, like, her phone number so Terry can pay her back and $10 for cat fare to get to the hospital later. We learn that Mr. Martin, the manager, will be back in 20 minutes. So Terry's on a clock. Who gives a shit? Um, so she wishes Terry good luck and leaves her sitting at a table by herself. Like, Terry's whole storyline of this is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Abby had to get back to NCIS, bro. Yeah. Like, she was crossing the I country. Just, yeah, I mean, I get, I get, I guess why they needed to do something with her, but like, they could have spent a lot more time on the whole Drazen thing and just been like, Terry's figuring shit out. To be fair, Terry's had the worst day of anyone. <laughs> that includes the dead, the dead terrorists. It's shit. Yeah. It's her brain. Oh, yeah. I mean, like being dead at this point for Terry would, would definitely be an upgrade. Well, the thing about this episode, uh, with the exception of of Kim, uh, this is just a bottle episode for everybody. Jack is just in the hotel room the whole time. Terry's in the fucking restaurant for no fucking reason. Um, like everyone, I might know the manager because I know yeah, the managers like, of all the restaurants I frequent. Like all things considered, no one does anything. And also, by the way, we'll get to this. Uh, but Terry, pretty indiscreet. Uh, so we get another rapid fire tiny clock. It's four oh eight. Please take a drink. Um, we cut to Nina in room twelve forty two with Elizabeth. And um, Nina's kind of instructing her on how to approach Drazen. It just says, so obviously without compromising your ha- yourself, just behave in the same way you always have with him. And she seems appropriately skeeved out by that notion. And Nina just asks, like, well, what, have you nor- what do you normally talk about? Just talk about that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Elizabeth says, well, it wasn't really that kind of relationship. It was more uh, take the plunge and worry about the consequences later. You know what I mean? Just oh, take the plunge, right? Nina knows exactly what. Yeah. Word for word, that was in my notes. My <laughs> and uh, who the fuck walks in after oh, that God, exchange? David so after this... So literally in my notes, I have, hey, fuck you, Dave, written yeah. three times. This is one of those. I have, oh, for fuck's sake, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you pick guys. <laughs> so Palmer walks in. He wants to make sure Elizabeth is okay. And he, he pulls Jack aside and says, I told you to take care of her, not put her in danger. And danger. Jack reminds Dave, Jack just reminds David how real the threat against his life is. It's like so super real. And David's <laughs> like, well, that's, that's no reason to put someone else at risk. This coming from the man who's been attempting to put his son in prison literally all day. <laughs> and his entire family at risk because he's staying in the area where he's clearly being targeted. And Jack's family was already targeted. Maybe your family might be targeted. Get the fuck out. Yeah. So Jack just says, I don't think I have put her in danger. I'm going to be right across the hall with a squad of men. I'll be in there before anything can happen. And when Palmer tries to say, well, anything can happen, Jack just says, hey. We know Drazen isn't working alone, and arresting him won't put a stop to anyone else, 
if you want to end this for good, we need to keep him on the hook. And um, Palmer basically insinuates that Jack just wants payback for everything that's happened to his family. And it's probably at least I mean, yeah. at least 50 percent. Yeah, it's hard to say. We get a, a sense later in the episode that Jack is not clearly fully in the game, but he just says this is the best way to nail these guys, period. And Palmer just says, well, OK, I'm going to go along with this. It's on you. But Elizabeth's father is one of my oldest friends. I've known her since she was born. And if anything happens to her, I'm holding you personally responsible. So Jack promises to take care of her, which he's proven to not be super great at. Um, and <laughs> hey, he Palmer didn't gives... get the waitress killed. Yeah, no. See, well, this is a great job. He, he probably would have if she had actually gotten him the car he asked for. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but probably. for like all that time up to that. Well, Palmer gives Elizabeth a small smile. Uh, we cut the commercial at 410. We come back. It's 415. We get a split screen of Andre Drazen making a speed dial call. Cut to Kim walking along the road still and then stepping directly in front of a car for some reason. Because um, <laughs> she's Kim. Because yeah, she's Kim. Then she runs across the road. She's like a two-year-old who's just constantly trying to kill themselves. Right. So she runs across the road. Behind some Hare Krishnas for some reason. Uh, she runs to a pay for... <laughs> I'm going to read you my notes uh, just because I was expecting something. Um, she runs to a payphone and motherfucking, of course she calls Rick. Oh, wait, no, she actually, she calls CTU. <laughs> okay, here's my here's my question. Why the hell did Jack give Kim the number to, to the CTU bullpen? Yeah, not even like his Jesus direct Christ. office? Or- yeah, yeah. So, or receptionist, or no, any, write, to, write to agents. Right. Just call, call people. And, and Tony too. Does it just go to like somebody random? Like, why is Tony the only one answering the goddamn phones around here? Boop, 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 boop. Isn't Tell he in me. charge? If if Jack and Nina are gone, he's in charge. Well, Mason's in charge right now. It could be alphabetical. Think about that. Yeah, uh, that's true. Almeida. That's Boom, the of. most efficient phone system. So, I, guys, I can't figure out in this scene if Kim does something really smart or if she does something really dumb. So I'm actually fully on board with most of this with Kim. So one, the fact that she called CTU in the first place wins her some points. Yes. Um. Yes. So she calls and says, I need to speak to Jack Bauer. It's really important. Tony says, who is this? She informs him that the safe house has been attacked and the agents guarding them are dead and her mom is missing. She thinks they've kidnapped her and she says she needs to speak to Jack or Nina, but they're not there. Tony tries to tell her to get her to say where she is, but she's understandably reluctant to do so. Well, yeah, because it's exactly what happened to her mom. Yeah, so she's yeah, the, man. that's what they said to my mother. So, like, she did something smart, right? Like, it blew my she, mind. No, yeah. she really did. I was saying to myself, you know, you can probably, you probably, you know, hear that soul patch through the phone. <laughs> so don't trust that guy. Just, you know, walk away. Just the way it's rubbing sure against the receiver. Yeah. He could yeah, man. tell. Yeah, so I, I think Kim did the right thing here, although her next move is wrong yes because like presumably she has jack's cell phone number if she has the number to ctu she has jack's cell phone like she could have just called him or i don't know the cops but we get into that in a minute so she she hangs up the phone after she says that's what they said to my mother and during this conversation tony has started walking through the bullpen and uh walks up to mason and as he does we get a tiny clock it's 4 17 please take a drink and he tells mason uh we got a problem Kim called, Kim Bauer called and said the safe house was hit and agents are dead. So Mason tells him to call the house. Uh, so Tony does, he says, nothing, not even ringing. Guys, Jovan Miovic is so good at cleaning fucking phones <laughs> that he even turns them off after he throws poons in people's necks. Well, I assumed he cut the phones when he like, when he like pooned the, uh, the phone, the fake phone guys in the neck while he was up there. He may as well just cut that shit, Self- right? Cell phones, Michael. 
And actually, no, because uh, Breer got a call in the house at some point. Mm, that's a good point. So, just so saying, why isn't it ringing good? then? I don't know. Jovan just Jovan is very good at cleaning them. <laughs> he cleaned them right out of existence. <laughs> so Mason calls down to an agent named Parker and tells him to take someone named Baselli over to the safe house and make sure there's. Uh, it says there might be trouble. And then he tells Tony to call the phone company and to pull every call made from a payphone in a five mile radius of the safe house. I also tried to research this. I don't know when Star 69 was invented. Um, I couldn't find a good answer on it. I do know that it costs you 50 cents uh, to dial Star 69. Did you now, try calling you... dial dialing Star 69 like you did for 411? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't dial 411. Uh, or <laughs> I, I learned my lesson from dialing 411 on this dumb idiot show with you idiots. So, um, but like, there's got to be a simpler way to like backtrace. I mean, I know it takes them 45 minutes to trace a call, but surely they have a log of all the incoming phone calls to ctu yeah i was gonna say like they should just be able to call the phone company for ctu and say like who called because it's not like she used any type of cloaking software or anything it was a fucking payphone it's a landline she didn't dial in through a payphone sorry totally secure payphone yep no big deal she didn't dial in through a vpn yeah (laughs) (laughs) she down to the dark web to make a phone call (laughs) Hello, Tor. Call my dad. <laughs> <laughs> she paid, and she paid in Bitcoin. <laughs> so um, Tony asked Mason, so was like, are you going to call Jack or you want me to? And Mason basically just decides that we don't want to call Jack because we don't want him to have an emotional response with Elizabeth Nash going into Drazen's room in 15 minutes. One, one. He will have an emotional response. Yep. I get it. Two, when he finds out, he is going to fucking trank the shit out of you. He's already done it once. I, I feel like at this point, like, he won't trank him, like, just once. He's going to build a Rube Goldberg machine of tranquilizer guns. And, like, anytime Mason wakes up from being tranked the first time and, like, moves a little bit, he'll get tranked again. Tied to his eyelids. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a permanent saw game. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? Try to get out of this room, George. Not <laughs> a fucking dart. <laughs> you don't really get to play very much because I'm going to shoot you with a tranquilizer dart every three seconds. Um, so Tony's like, basically Mason says, you don't tell him. I'm going to tell him when the time is right, when the situation is under control. So we cut to Jack and Nina tells him that everything will be ready in 10 minutes. Well, clearly, Elizabeth is ready. They talked about Jack. So we they talked Jack. about Jack. So he must appear. <laughs> Nina worries whether they're doing the right thing or not. And uh, Jack just says, well, if she can plant the tracking device on Alexis, it'll lead us to everything else. If not, we'll arrest him and break him. We uh. can't touch... He, he can't touch her, Nina. We'll protect her. Jack's very confident, but gets a little bit short with Nina and just tells her to focus. And Nina realizes that Jack is already not fully in the game. And uh, we see a little bit of... Well, some cracks around the edges on Jack. Okay. Uh... <laughs> So he just says he can't stop thinking about what Terry and Kim have been going through. He's like, my my little girl thought she was going to die, which Kim clearly has not thought hard enough because uh, she did just walk in front of a sniper's bullet like two hours ago. Yeah, and try to throw herself in front of a car like 10 minutes ago. Um, so Terry just says, we're going to get them. From what I could tell, Terry and Kim seemed okay. The doctor said they just had some bruises. And uh, Nina goes to walk away to get to get, get prepared. But Jack calls after her and says, why don't you stay and finish the debrief with Terry and Kim instead of Paulson? He knows something's up. Mm-hmm. He knows something's up. And again, we get some uh, dissembling here from Nina. So she says, 
Well, it was my understanding that you wanted me back as soon as they were safe. And Jack says, no, I specifically asked you to stay with them so they'd feel safe. And he gets interrupted by someone asking for Nina. So Jack tells her to go and that he'll be there in a minute. So she walks off kind of looking a little pained. And uh, Jack takes a moment to collect himself. Um, And what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I mean, it's weird that Jack sent Nina to do this in the first place, but I get it. He like he trusts her because, you know, he put bol- three bullets in her chest um, and she still decided to like hang out with him. Right. Um, Very true. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I mean, we're kind of seeing that Jack is, is, is a little perceptive, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in the midst of his like grief and worry, like Jack kind of. He's got a very analytical mind. He he puts pieces together. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks at he looks at a bus stop poster. and can instantly tell. He can intuit assassination plots just from a simple post. That man is magic. Yeah. So yeah, Curtis, how how are you feeling right now about? I'm a little. I, I feel like I know that Elizabeth is going to die, um, <laughs> and that's fine. That's okay. Um, and I'm also a little a little worried that it appears as though Kim might be the Highlander. And that's not good for the world. Uh, she she cannot win the quickening. It would it would destroy the universe. Well, so. I mean, the good thing about that though, if if she is a Highlander, the only way to really end her is to cut her head off. So that's something to look forward to. So we get a tiny clock. It you is know what? I think you. I think you might be be right. She might be the Highlander. I've never thought of this before, but like that's the only explanation. Yeah, I mean. I don't want to spoil too much, but she does seem effectively immortal. She's a Highlander. Not to spoil the rest of the show, but give us a goddamn Highlander. Yeah, yeah. No, no one walks through death and pain like Kim Bauer. I will say that. Um, so we get a tiny clock. It is four nineteen and forty four seconds. And uh, as we approach four twenty, we hear a pretty funky bass line. Oh, that is the shittiest music. And uh, we cut to a house where Rick is. It's Awoken a by Saturday a f- by Yola Tango, by the way. Oh, how about that? Mm-hmm. Well, we cut to a house where Rick is uh, awoken underneath a pillow by a phone call. And I, guys, I don't think it's any mistake that the producers of this show cut to Rick at 420. Mm. You know? That was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty solid. good. And we also learned one other thing is that it, it definitely, where he's hanging out is definitely his house. Because he's the only well, one answering the phone. Well, it's actually Dan's, Dan's house. It's Dan and I think the Auntie Kim's house. I don't think I don't think it's Rick's house. Well, why is he? Why is she not answering the phone then? Who? Kn- I, she's doing Auntie Kim stuff. <laughs> uh, and as we learn, it's Kim on the phone, so Auntie Kim is not able to pick up the phone because you know I don't know. Um, so <laughs> it's like crossing the streams, bro. Yeah. So Rick answers the phone. She tells him all about the safe house and basically says that she needs help because her mom has been kidnapped again, and he's the only person who knows the people who took her mom. So I'm coming to your place. I can't go to the police. I don't trust them. After today, I don't trust anybody except the boy who kidnapped me. Um, I really thought we were going to get a I don't trust nobody from Kim. And then I was going to have to make fun of Curtis mercilessly. Well, she literally says, I can't go to the police. I don't trust them. And then if you don't help me right now, I will tell the police everything. (laughs) (laughs) So please murder me and bury me in the backyard. Right. So they never find me. Like. So he gives her he gives her the address just as the Auntie Kim walks into the room. Uh, we do not learn her name in this episode, by the way. Um, and Rick has some explaining to do. And guys, I just got Kim is going to be so sexually confused for the rest of her life. I, I can't like everything about this is just bad for her. <laughs> the scene or just this entire 
season or just just everything. being Kim. Like she just doesn't you know, just being the life of Kim. Have, having having daddy issues and mommy issues. Da- daddy and issues, Stockholm issues syndrome. And- her, her she thinks her mom is kidnapped. Anyway, we cut to the Palmer suite. She doesn't know lost- how people get pregnant. <laughs> no idea. Ooh. <laughs> Speaking of the quickening. Um, so we, we cut to the Palmer suite and Keith walks into his father's room where David is clearly worrying about about Elizabeth. And uh, also, Keith, no one seems to give a shit that Keith was gone. Nope. And no. then came back through a hotel that has been locked down by the Secret Service to know when anyone comes in or out. Yet he was able to just weasel his way right back in there and no one's like hey where, where were you let me let me ask you a question michael if you were a trained and seasoned secret service agent who had allowed a 20 something non-trained <laughs> idiot to leave mm. when he actually did show back up not dead when you'd be like it's fucking yeah, here, a good man. Point. shit don't, don't tell nobody he was gone mm-hmm. <laughs> which which he immediately then does i mean he probably, <laughs> he, pro- he probably walked in and was like hey did y'all hear about those phones being bugged pretty crazy huh <laughs> anyway Seven here's secret a, service people go over to a payphone. Here's a Twix bar. Bye. Um, so Keith walks in and asks David how the election is going. And uh, David just says, exit polls look really good. Uh, and Keith says that he's sorry. And that he basically knew that David was covering up Ferragamo to protect Keith, not the campaign. And David asks, well, did you hear that from your mom? And uh, Keith plays a pretty, he does like a pretty smooth move. Pretty dumb one, but pretty smooth. And he's just like, nah, not mom. And then he pulls the recorder out of his pocket and hits play. And we hear Carl Webb admitting that he had planted evidence against Keith in Dr. Ferragamo's office. But David pretty rightly asked Keith, like, do you know how dangerous that was? How long do you think, or how many different iterations of that conversation do you think Keith went through in his head? Was He was like... He's like, I wonder, you know how I'm going to say this and be like, nah, it's mine. Then I'm going to play t- it. It's gonna I'm going to so play sweet. the t- I mean, he definitely fast forwarded to the part about Carl, oh, like, yeah. admitting, like, yeah, I'm going to play. And, like, if you were in the, if you were the cab driver and he's car, <laughs> car ride back, like, just like, I blew up the, <laughs> nope, no, that's not right. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not the right spot. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm always thing? amazed at people's ability to get things on like actual tape, but then always be able to rewind to the exact part thing too. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, just no tape. Tape was a crazy world. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different um, time. So Keith basically says, well, now you can give it to the police. And, uh, <laughs> David just, <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, Keith just wants to go to jail. Like I, I don't. He admits he admits to killing a person on tape too. Right. He's like, yeah, I killed that. I killed Lyle Gibson. Short. Duh. No big deal. Um, but not this other guy. Framing me for that one. Yeah. So God. Yeah. All of this is bad. So David tells Keith to just hand over the tape, and he says, Keith, do you trust me? And <laughs> nope. Keith slowly hands it over. We cut to commercial at 423. We come back at 427. And God, I, I gotta tell you, I kinda hope the Drazens win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're definitely, they're definitely better at this point. Yeah. Yeah. God. Well, so at 427, 427, uh, we get a couple of split screens. We see Nina talking to Elizabeth, presumably giving her a pep talk about ill advised hookups. 
Uh, Rick is taking a nap because sure. Uh, <laughs> David hasn't moved in the last four minutes, and we see a gold jaguar driving up the road. And guys, apparently the terrorist just got a pretty good deal on jaguar rentals because <laughs> uh, uh, we Alexis Drazen is driving the jaguar. We hear a phone <laughs> dial from the car, and uh, Alexis is calling Andre to let him know that there has been a development, and Palmer is staying in LA after all. And he learned that Palmer was staying in LA at three oh five. Almost an hour and a half ago. Yeah, yeah that's no longer that's no longer a development. <laughs> it's a little bit of a lag. Um, but speaking of people who can just intuit plans and and uh, you know things that are afoot, uh, Andre just teases that out real fast about Elizabeth, huh? Right. Yeah. So oh, there's been a, just... pl- a change for the like the seventh time, but this time. Yeah, so he says the Nash girl called you, and Alexis says, "Yeah, I'm on the way ho- the, on the way to the hotel to meet her." And Andre wants to know if she told Alexis why the senator was staying, and says, "I wonder why she wanted to see you again so quickly. You were just with her a couple of hours ago," which seems like pretty clear proof that Andre has the micro penis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, but it also seems like like this is this is how Alexis does this. He lays that dick down across the mm-hmm. world. And murders for hire. That's how he gets it done. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, he's like, you don't know anything about women, Andre. How to take care of this myself. <laughs> yeah. So he says, you don't understand women. And Andre says, well, I understand women enough to know that they can use just as they can be used. And we can't afford any more mistakes. We're running out of time. Ooh. So even though Jack doesn't say it, please take a drink for we're running out of time. So we learned that the terrorists are also on a clock, presumably midnight as well, because, you know, the show ends. Um, well, that's when everyone goes to bed. Yeah, so it's, it's bedtime. It's bedtime. We've been up for at least twenty four hours. <laughs> yep, we gave it a day, you guys. Let's call it. Let's call it a night. Snap. <laughs> it's nap time. Um. So, Andre basically, or sorry, Alexis basically says Elizabeth does not suspect him. She'll tell me everything about Palmer's schedule. Um. But Andre says, well, just to be safe, when you're done, you know, fucking kill her. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, can we talk about a little bit how much of the short end of the stick that Andre got out of the uh, the Drazen children, though? Because, oh, like, God. Alexis, he's a beautiful man. And then that, that waitress that, that was laughing in the last episode, he said, oh, she, he re- she reminds me of, of our, our our sister. And it's like... Marina. Yeah, yeah she's gorgeous. Like, Bro, if that was what your sister looked like and that's what your brother looks like, what in the happened to you? So what you're saying, Michael, Drazen's were created by the same doctor that made Danny DeVito <laughs> and Unfortunate and Twins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, here, here are the Drazen's. Um, we've made this one for you as well. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of things left over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there was like the remainder parts after the first two. Is he at least smart? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Andre cool. Drazen looks like a budget vampire. He has like a, a, a he you know, he's he losing. Died. He's losing his hair as like a shitty widow's peak, and like Alexis Drazen is just a, a flowing haired sex god. He wears glasses. So funnily, none of the other two wear glasses. Like yeah. Michael, funnily uh, funnily enough, boys, as we know, uh, Alexis Drazen, the actor who plays him, did play an angelic being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned uh, Andre playing being a vampire, and he did play a vampire on True Blood. What? Oh shit! <laughs> Damn. So, nice analysis, friend. Nailed yeah. it. Damn, all right. I should well, be a casting agent. Yeah. I must have absorbed more true blood than I thought. <laughs> um, so they hang that up. didn't sound right no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Good. Va- vampire-like. 
Because <laughs> true blood. Anyway, so we we they hang up and we cut to the hotel where Jack is walking Elizabeth through Drazen's hotel room and pointing out the fiber optic cameras that they've placed, which what seems like a bad idea to like yes. point at cameras. Um, oh, try not to look in these seventeen places. <laughs> yeah, but Elizabeth says that she doesn't know what those are. So Jack explains the magical science of fiber optics to the dunces of two thousand one, um, and says that we'll be able to see her and hear everything in the room. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of amazing. Like. I was trying. Well, he light flows through a tiny plastic tube. <laughs> it definitely was like a let's explain this to the audience, right? Right. Like it had to be. Yeah. It's like, y'all heard of broadband internet? Well, you will. <laughs> <laughs> the Roadrunner is coming in. <laughs> Sometimes you got to break it down, bro. It's just, this makes things easier. So uh, Jack gives her a small tracking device in a from a very large plastic container. And then uh, tells her that she should put it in his wallet if possible, because he uh, he'll keep that on him at all times. He might he might not take anything else, but he's always gonna have his wallet. So basically, says when it, once she plants the device, the device Jack will call her and say the senator needs her immediately, and that she'll get out of the room. And if that she feels like Drazen is onto her, she just say, "I hope I'm not getting a cold," and we'll be in the room in the room in a few seconds with at least six agents, which. I feel like at least shouldn't be there in that sentence. You should know how many ages are busting in (laughs) on the code word. What's your team like, bro? (laughs) Also, the code word should always be abracadabra. I don't understand. (laughs) Once you say it, he already knows what's up. So why don't you just make it the most awesome code word ever? Abracadabra. I was going to say zucchini. (laughs) I mean, she was ordering uh, from the menu, though. What if there's a zucchini situation? And the old. You put zucchini on your burgers? That's weird. I would just go with something really weird. Like, give me a double cheeseburger with ham. What? Why? I'd like a pizza pocket stuffed with animals. Because, <laughs> like, that way you confuse Drazen. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck did you say? He's heard that one before, though. If you say something like that, you're immediate. it's immediate death. He knows all, he knows all those crazy code words. <laughs> sure. He's heard it all before. A hippo sleeping basket? What? <laughs> anyway. So she says that she's doing just fine. And she, again, like, she thanks Jack for giving her a chance to redeem herself, which, like, I, I don't like this narrative that, like, she's done something bad by, like, just sleeping with a dude who's slinging that good dick. Um, but Jack just smiles and they get ready to leave. And we cut to the restaurant where I a. I don't trust her, man. Elizabeth? She just doesn't look right. Yeah, no, like, I mean, well, she's clearly fucked up. Like, I wouldn't be happy about this either. As we'll learn, Elizabeth is not. I'm just saying, all, it's all it's there. a little convenient, if you yeah. will. So if we cut back to Terry real quick. Uh, we see a nice man walking up to Terry's table, saying, "Mrs. Bauer, how good to see you." It's Mr. Martin, the restaurant manager, and uh, Terry asks if he knows her, which obviously he does, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he asks her if Doctor Parslow will be joining her. Who so. Fuck is Dr. Parslow. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Parslow yep. clearly been taking Terry's temperature. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With that Getting that good doctor dick. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Checking the oil. And, uh, well, putting his dipstick in the old engine compartment. No, we, we got it. The, we got it the first time. My, he, he had he's it. a doctor, not a mechanic. <laughs> he puts the, he's putting his thermometer. Putting the, the old stethoscope. <laughs> Right in the vagina. No, like a tongue suppressor. Michael, please, something. <laughs> have you ever... Like, wait, real quick. Michael, have you ever been to a doctor? Yeah, yeah. of course. Michael, check it her prostate. <laughs> you know? 
They hit you in the knee with the thing, and then... Then they shove their stethoscope <laughs> onto your prostate. Right up in your belly button. I'm going to tell you to breathe. Mm-hmm. Breathe deep. Breathe Here comes. real deep. <laughs> so I got a question. So obviously, you know, you, you know, I'm going to say it later, what Parslow and Terry have been doing. But I wanted so bad for Parslow to walk in. And it'd be a resurrected Ira game. <laughs> Long that been. It, comes full, it comes full circle to how he how he got it all set up. He's even 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 laying that tongue suppressor <laughs> right right into Terry's butt. <laughs> just just giving it to her. That sounds dirty. <laughs> giving her giving her a colonoscopy via the vagina. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> My- Medical terms. <laughs> Curtis, Curtis, your wife is a physician. What is happening? I, I'm, I'm not a physician, goddammit. I'm an engineer. Put, put that well, prostate right in her vagina. Balls. Well, as one of the only, as one of the three of us who have taken a medical terminology class, <laughs> I have to tell you confidently that he put that ding dong <laughs> right in her dilly. In her um, dilly, what's it? So anyway, so um, all I mis- can think though when God. they were like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna do this again. No. When they were uh, when they said Doctor Parslow, it made me think of the line like the the thing about the Winslow. <laughs> You're right. I mean, all I could think of was Chris Parnell as Doctor Leo Spichemin in Thirty Rock. <laughs> I, I thought like maybe like your golf cars golf courses suck because you're Parslow. You know. Hey, hey, Coach, can you do me a favor? Yeah, I, I need this right now. I've been I've been holding on to it and I can't take it. Can you read to me again the two agents' names uh, that are in the hospital, with Terry? <laughs> Going, going back in your notes, friend. Wait, uh, in the hospital with Terry? Yep. Oh, shit, like at the clinic, like four episodes yeah. ago? No, no, right, um, not the hospital, my bad, the hotel. Son of a bitch. Oh, with, um, <laughs> sorry, with, with uh, Nina. Elizabeth. With Nina. Uh, Johnson and Al Shear. Al Shear with Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's intentional. That's intentional. When's the last time I shared with Johnson? I don't know. <laughs> nothing but seventies, nothing but seventy bush down there. Man, this this show won an Emmy, right? <laughs> uh, Somebody, neither the, one of you guys, guys responded. He, he was like, "Go ahead." So neither one of you guys responded to my text with black shampoo, the black exploitation film from the seventies. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> not. Sorry, we can go ahead. We we can talk about this episode of Twenty Four. I didn't feel qualified to to respond. <laughs> So, Mr. Martin, the uh, <laughs> manager of the restaurant, basically tells Terry uh, that the two of them, her and Dr. Parcel, used to come in quite often, and he asks if he should give the doctor, the good doctor, a call. And uh, Terry says yes, um, because she seemed to lost her memory, but this place looks familiar, and uh, she wants to get to the bottom of this. So, we cut back to the hotel. Parcel has fin- definitely been laying that pipe mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. through yeah. the stethoscope holes in the in the vagina. He was placing a stent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Jack is finally done setting Drazen's room. Uh, he walks back across the hall to the CT monitoring room. We get a tiny clock at 4.33. Please take a drink. And uh, Alexis is late to his own sex date, which, um, come on, mm. bud. Let's go. Jack learns that everything is all set. Nina turns on the monitors in the room and asks how Elizabeth is doing. Uh, we learn that she is kind of in her room waiting for Drazen to call her. She kind of wanted to be alone before all of it. And uh, I Nina imagine Jack- her in her in room, just like a boxer getting ready for the, like just a big fight. And she's like, <laughs> listen to some music. She's got her hood on. 
So Nina and Jack are sitting alone in front of the monitors, and Jack asks her if she wants to tell him what's going on, since she's obviously been sitting on something since the safe house. And Nina just tries to say, Jack, it's not the time, it'll distract you. But he ain't having it and tells her to spit it out, because he'll be- Which is the first time he ever told her to do that. Oh! Oh, (laughs) So she (laughs) reluctantly tells Jack that Terry knows all about her and Jack been fucking- uh, that she guessed it somehow, and Nina couldn't deny it because she'd know it. Because Nina's not a spy who lies as a job sometimes. Yeah, yeah. women know. Uh, so Jack asks her if she told Terry that it was over, and uh, she's, yes, I did, obviously. She was just shocked that it was me, someone she knows, and Jack seems pretty shook, but says, when Terry and I got back together, I tried to talk to her about this. But she said she didn't want to know, so I let it go. Probably because she'd been getting that good dick from Dr. Parsley. Mm-hmm. So Jack gets a call on the radio, and we learn that Drazen has just dropped his car off at the valet. It should be up in about two and a half minutes. That's uh, it. Yeah, so, uh, so it's 4.35. We cut to commercial, and four minutes later, Drazen, <laughs> Drazen enters his room as we see Elizabeth riding up the elevator. Uh, Jack sees him walk in. We see him placing his phone in gigantic palm pilot and a couple other accoutrements on the nightstand. And uh, Jack radios another agent to tell Elizabeth that Drazen's wallet is either in his pants or on the jacket on the bed. So... Drazen sexies up his hair, slams him some mouthwash as Elizabeth exits the elevator and walks up to his room. She's clearly struggling, has to force herself to knock on the door, but before she does, she unbuttons the top of her blouse. (laughs) And uh, so she knocks. Drazen continues to sexy up his hair for like another minute and a half, and she (laughs) knocks again, and he finally opens the door and then just starts smooching her and tells her how much he 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 missed her. He kind of tries to smooch. He's not having any of it. She's not having it. And uh, he picks up on the fact that she's a little tense, and she blames it on uh, the polls. And uh, he says, well, what can we do to help you relax? They keep showing Jack and Nina during this, and they just look disgusted. Yeah, well, as they should. But, like, I mean, realistically, they're gearing up to watch them fuck. (laughs) Like that's that bottom line. Like they're gonna like if if this plan that's the goes a conclusion. <laughs> like if yeah. this plan goes the way Jack envisions it, like he's gonna have to watch Alexis give her that good day. <laughs> is he gonna take notes? Yeah. Oh, that's a new move. Okay. Yeah, Taking that. Nina, you seen? Oh, oopsie. Mm. Bring that back to Terry. So that old fashioned. <laughs> so, so many mouth sounds in this uh, yeah, scene. So, oh, God. So she asks for a vodka to help relax, and uh, we get some pretty rad sex talk. He pours her a drink, and as he does, she runs into the bedroom portion of the suite and uh, tries to place the tracking device in his wallet, but of course she drops it on the ground and fumbles around for a while, and then she manages to get the tracker and get his wallet, but not together, so she shoves it into her jacket pocket. And Jack has a SWAT team assemble right outside the door. I really thought that she was going to put the tracker, like, in the section with the money. It's the first section she opened up, and I was like, oh, cool. He won't notice unless he needs to pay for literally anything, ever. Yeah. It's just, you know, what you should have done is uh, asked for a drink that requires actual time to be. (laughs) I'd like it. Michael, you mentioned an old fashioned. Uh, (laughs) Give me a a vodka, please. That's it. You don't even need to take the time to pour some soda in that bitch. 
So Elizabeth gets some shit in this. So he brings her the drink and then just is like, you know, we should take a trip together after the election. And then he pushes her down on the bed and Nina like worries that he's going to feel the wallet in her front jacket. Oh, he's going to feel some. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tries to ask her about yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, he didn't have to. Um, <laughs> he tries to ask her about the senator's plan to stay in town and maybe give a victory speech. And she calls him out on it. And she, well, he just says, well, you know, I have no interest in the campaign. My interest is is you. And I know you go where he goes. He wouldn't let someone as smart and capable as you out of his sight. And what does she what does she say? I'll tell you. Um, she says, <laughs> smart, smart. How would you know? We spent, what, 15 hours together? Most of that in bed. And he, I like what he says here. He, he kind of does like he sits up very slowly and just says, was that a complaint or a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nina. Nina's like, oh, not smart. Yeah. Yep. So she just says, well, it's both. But I just realized I haven't eaten all day. That may explain my mood. Maybe you can order something up to the room. And he just he walks up and he, he gets to get the menu back in the other room and just says, well, I was hoping you'd be hungry for something other than food, which holy shit, Fox. <laughs> it was such a throwaway just did, but it was I mean, it was, oh, it was so good. Yeah, but like it was a throwaway line. Was like, how about you gobble this real quick? <laughs> yeah, I was just hoping you wanted this cock meat sandwich. Um, <laughs> I'll get you the menu. I was hoping you were you wanted a hot beef injection. There it is. So, so while his back is turned, she runs over to his jacket, replaces, uh, places the tracker, and places his wallet in his jacket. And uh, Jack tells the SWAT team to clear the hallway. And Alexis returns uh, with a menu. And, um, oh, Manzi, he makes a pretty bad mistake here and says, I know this might seem a little soon, but I've fallen in love with you. <laughs> and I don't um, understand why he says this. Like, if the plan is to kill her, kill her in like kill a her. few hours, like he's just fucking with her at that point. He deserves everything he got. Well, so I think I so we get confirmation of this in a moment because. I think he still, he needs, before he kills her, he needs to get information from her about Palmer's right. campaign. Right. So I think he's trying to like get her unbalanced and like in a place where she's willing to share information. So Jack learns that the team has cleared out and he calls Elizabeth to get, you know, to kind of give her the signal to get out of the room. And so Drazen says, I thought all women could sense these things. <laughs> And Elizabeth is just staring him down, and then her phone rings, and she looks pretty hesitant to answer it. And Drazen is like, well, you can answer that. It could be someone from the campaign, something important. Um, so he clearly wants to pump her for information mm -hmm. at, before pumping her full of Drazen, <laughs> and then pumping her full of lead. Um, so he he walks over, grabs her purse, brings, her, brings it over, and uh, she grabs the phone out of her purse and just hangs up and just says... Say it again, Alexis. Hmm. Say that you love me. And did, did he ever tell her his name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I got kind of nervous. There. I was like, uh oh, she did. <sighs> yeah. Well, she real did. Uh, my reaction was, oh god, she's gonna she's gonna murder this fool. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack is freaking out that she hung up, and Nina realizes that well, she's just baiting him. And uh, Drazen gets close and just says, well, I'm in love with you. And if I'm very much not mistaken, it seems that you are falling in love with me, too. Jack calls again and she hangs up immediately and uh, she uh, takes her jacket off and uh, stares at the bedside table while Drazen orders a hamburger from room service. And uh, Jack wonders why she's sane and then realizes 
that she has no intention of leaving that. And uh, guys, what, what it means when you take off your jacket and you know start to get a little comfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're getting comfortable in the room. Mad comfy. <laughs> she she walks over to the table. Jack notices what's that in her hand. Jack realizes she has a knife in her Where hand. Where did she get the knife from? Drazen put it on the table. It was very, it was pretty unclear, but he put a ta- he put a knife on the table. Was it like a like a steak knife or like a butter knife? Like why would he have a knife on? The- it's an assassin knife. Yeah, it was a, it was a knife. It was a, a murder. Yeah. It was a murder knife. But why 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 did he leave it out if he doesn't want her to know? He's a, it's, he's a murderer, it's about to get assassin. fucking busy. Whatever. <laughs> it's not a gun, bro. Just a knife. Yeah. You can explain that shit away. So Jack sees what she has. He starts to run for the door. Nina yells for the SWAT team to hit the room. Elizabeth screams, son of a bitch, and stabs Drazen directly in the tum-tum. He grabs her by the throat as Jack busts through the door. Oh, man. Uh, so Jack tackles Jason to the dead. Elizabeth keep to the bed, sorry. Elizabeth keeps shouting, son of a bitch, and the SWAT team arrives as Jack tells him to call a medevac because Drazen is dying super fast. Dra- uh, Jack looks down at Alexis and yells, damn it, please take a drink. Yes. And- Guys, man, I didn't see this coming when this all started, but as as soon as he said, I love you, I was like, oh, God, this is not going to go well. <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. I mean, she had to pull the Fabinci on him, you know, just being that manipulative and that much of an asshole. She already felt kind of, you know, violated. So, oh, yeah, you're getting penetrated, son, right now. <laughs> now, I got to say this. For for a, a former spec ops slash uh, assassin, his situational awareness is shit. Very bad. Mm-hmm. Also, so is his defense game. Didn't you learn some Krav Maga, bro? Like, what the fuck are you doing? She just, she, that was a long stab game. Yeah, she she really got at him. And, like, to, to his credit, he was able to grab her by the throat and push her away, like or, like, you know, start choking her a little bit. But, like, man, he... Yeah, he was a bad assassin. Special forces, don't let him get, get that close. I mean, that's just, it just shows the hubris, though, right? Because he thought he had her so wrapped around his finger that it didn't fucking matter. Like, as long as she was in that room with him, there was nothing that he could do wrong. Yeah, I mean, like he told Drazen, he was, or Andre Drazen, he was very confident that Elizabeth had no idea what was going on, mm-hmm. that he that she would do whatever he wanted. Uh, and, hey, hey, Curtis, mm-hmm. are you watching Catch Me If You Can? Starring who? God, fuck you, dude. <laughs> the greatest actor of our generation, Leonardo Who's that DiCaprio. Movie star? Leonardo DiCaprio, fuck off. <laughs> With a co star, they brought Thomas Jefferson Hanks. Hanks. No, actually, Christopher Walken is the only person I remember from that film. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take you to do it. I set this up meticulously. I just, I, saw, I just saw the scene where they're, like, they see him running out of the plane. Like, you know, he clearly, he evacuated the, the plane. Yeah, your Fuck. chair, your chair is covering up a good portion of the screen. Yeah. No, 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 I don't need, no, please, 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't care. Take it, take all that Hanks. So anyway, Jack sees Drazen dying, it's 4.50, we come back at 4.50. What the fuck? I'm gonna put a Hank suppressor in your, uh, DiCaprio hole. Um, (laughs) Curtis, Curtis just spit out his teeth. Uh, so we come back, it's 4.55, Drazen is being worked on by EMTs, Nina's on the phone peering over her monitor, and we see a taxi rolling down the street, we zoom into the taxi, and it's, uh, Kim arriving at the Auntie Kim's house. Uh, she tells the cab to wait outside for just a minute, which does seem a little odd, then walks into the house where shitty music is playing as Kim knocks on the door, and, um, the Auntie Kim opens the door, says, It's cataract by the Trephanese. 
short that that summer jam hit uh and um, maybe it's trey Fini, miggle could be it could, could be. be trey vines i don't know yeah so kim knocks on the door auntie kim opens up and kim just says i'm a friend looking for rick the one who keeps on calling it's like well he said i could come over not to me he didn't and Rick runs up and says, oh, I was, I was just about to tell you. I just didn't think she'd get here so fast. Which, to clarify, it's been 35 minutes since Kim called him and Rick was just napping the whole time. Dude, I'm just um, fucking glad that they did not touch each other because that would have been the end of fucking L.A. Oh, God. When Kim and anti-Kim come together, that's just... It's, br- oh, it's a brutal explosion. Yeah. You uh, can't do it. Which I, I, I will be... I have a feeling it will happen at some point. <laughs> Someone will try to fight in the next episode or two. My money's um, on anti-Kim. Yeah. All the money is on anti-Kim. So Except Kim's a Highlander. Kim's Kim McBower. <laughs> of the Clan McBower. <laughs> and I think your fight's with her. <laughs> so uh, Rick's lady friend wants an explanation. And Rick just says, just let her come in. He tells her that something got screwed up with Dan last night. Big surprise, right? Uh, they shot me and then they beat me. And uh, she was just like, well, I thought you said your arm got ripped on a fence. <laughs> and Kim just interrupts and she's like, I just want to look through Dan's room to see if she can find somebody to help her find the people that Dan knew, the terrorists. And uh, Auntie Kim just says, what, so you just want to look through Dan's room? Yeah. Yeah. So we learn that Dan lived here, presumably with the Auntie Kim, not with Rick. So this is not Rick's house. Like, this is Dan and the girlfriend's house. Right. So weird living relationship. Who knows what that is all about? Um, but Rick knows cabbie, that Dan is dead. Right, and hasn't told the girlfriend <laughs> at all. Um, so the cabbie honks, and Kim basically just asks Rick to pay for the cab, which he does after sighing. And uh, Kim and the girlfriend look on. We get a tiny clock. It's 4.57. And uh, we come to the restaurant where someone with a briefcase walks into the restaurant and wakes up a sleeping Tarion. I... I don't know why, but at this point, I'm conditioned to be suspicious of people with briefcases who, who like, carry them places where they're not needed. I'm suspicious and of anyone well, in a suit at this point. He's yeah. a doctor. It's a stethoscope. It goes in a briefcase. You didn't know That's that. where the tongue depressors yeah, and, the, vi- and the... Vibrating stethoscope, probably. Mm-hmm. That's, where the, uh, that's where the corn cob dildo goes. So Jesus. Uh, so he can tell that Terry doesn't remember him, which in her defense, he's got a pretty stupid face. Um, so he puts his briefcase down and she asks him if he's her doctor. He says, no, not exactly. <laughs> um, but he asks Mr. Martin, the manager, to get her some water. And he tells her you got to figure out what's going on and get her well again. Uh, she looks non-reassured, and we cut to a very blood-covered Jack and a tiny clock at 4.58. Uh, please take a drink. He's on the phone with Mason, and um, basically just saying, I don't know what you want me to say. We misjudged Elizabeth's emotional state. Which, yeah, you did. Uh, Mason <laughs> reminds him, it's like, we didn't. Yeah. You did. I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jack begrudgingly admits that it might have been a bad call to uh, put Elizabeth and Trayson in the same room together. Just, just maybe. Um, but that they need to figure out what their next move is. And uh, he tells Mason that Alexis has a 50-50 shot of surviving, but the doctors just don't know when he'll be able to talk. And he tells Mason to keep his keep district off of his back until he can figure out something to move on before he has to start filling out field reports, which seems like a lot. <laughs> um <laughs> I know this threat's still going on and you're involved in it, but uh, yeah, we're going to need you to fill out these these TPS reports. <laughs> yeah. Uh, make sure you put the cover sheet on. Um, <laughs> yeah, You are still probation. Uh, you're going to jail after you fill out all this paperwork, but we're going to need it in triplicate. Please. Did you get the memo? Yeah. 
Uh, so, guys, who who barges into the room like a big dumbass? Oh, fucking... Yeah. I feel David, like we just need to chug our drinks because he speaks above a middle C for this entire C. Yeah, no, it's... it's He gets he definitely gets above a middle C a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a dumb little showdown with Jack. Uh, basically, Jack tells him that Elizabeth is in custody. Um, Jack just... Palmer's just insistent that Elizabeth was defending herself and wants her <laughs> released and all this bullshit. Um, basically blaming Jack for the whole situation. Uh, so this is while Jack is on the phone with Mason. So he hangs up. He runs after David into the room where Elizabeth is cool on her heels. Um, tells her not to say anything until she speaks to a lawyer. Jack just kind of tells him he's not helping matters whatsoever. And uh, as he does that, Nina runs over to pick up a ringing phone. We learn that it's Alexis's phone. And she needs, she calls Jack over. And after a moment of indecision, what does Jack do? <laughs> he answers he just answers and pretends to be crazy by just saying, yeah. 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 <laughs> so we hear a man ask, you got the money? Which seems like a weird way to answer a phone call, especially when, like, if you're calling someone, I don't necessarily know when people have picked up the phone. <laughs> this guy, as soon as Jack picks it up, he just says, you got the money? Jack says, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we'll meet in 45 minutes. Jack asks him where. He says, I already told you. But I'm going to tell you anyways. <laughs> Jack stammers, like, blah, 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 blah. and the guy who is clearly very good at spycraft just says, <laughs> Connie's downtown. I'll wear a red baseball cap. Sweet and- Jesus, it's the most obvious fucking spy outfit ever. <laughs> Connie's downtown, eh? Uh, it's a fucking fucking red baseball cap. Now I get that the that, that the Angels existed in LA at this point in time, but nobody's a fucking Angels fan. Too. And they were all Dodgers fans. And red baseball cap would stick out like a sore thumb. You stupid son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Hollywood, he's a maybe holy he's a shit, blood. What's that? Blood. Blood. Yeah. Instead of a, he's a blood. Instead of a crib. That dude's blood. Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, I do have to. I I might take a little bit. Angels in the outfield came out in 1993. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it could have been a kid who grew up on Angels in the Outfield, and he was like, I want that sweet Christopher Lloyd to be in my hat. I mean, you you can't deny the undeniable charm of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Correct, and I I thought about this movie when I wrote this this down. Um, That's Joseph Joseph Gordon-Levitt? That's JGL? JGL! JGL, a flapping him. Also, Matthew McConaughey in the outfield and Adrian Brody. That the cast of Angels in the Outfield is <laughs> fucking bananas. I literally it's only remembered Christopher Lloyd. I'm not gonna lie. Are you serious? Yeah. Remember Adrian Brody was a guy who never got a hit, and they put him in as Hammerling. Hammerling for Miller. You don't remember that? <laughs> Son of a bitch, Michael. I watched. I, I just watched Rookie of the Year because it was about the Cubs. Michael, do you remember Tony Danza in this film? Because he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, vague. Danny Glover. So I, I thought about how sad the premise Angel in the Outfield really. When we were kids, it was adorable, right? This kid's doing his best to get his dad to come back. But what his father has essentially told him, because the Angels are so shitty, is like a, a, a parent of a Cubs fan 20 years ago saying, yeah, no, I'll come, I'll come, you, you can come live with me and I'll be your parent when the Cubs win the World Series. Which but is to me is, is really just code word for, hey kid, fuck off. I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, <laughs> that's basically what it was, right? Yeah, he said, he said, when the angels win the pennant, from where I'm standing, that's when we'll be together. And the kid's like, yeah. Totally. No. Nope. <laughs> that's uh, not what he meant. <laughs> guys, did you know that Angels in the Outfield was based on a 19th, a reboot of a 1951 movie of the same name? No. The an- Wait, but the angels weren't around in the 50s, were they? Yeah. Can I read you the description of this fucking bonkers <laughs> was it, ass? Was it, was it the Indians in the Outfield? Not good, <laughs> no, yeah, Cur- Curtis, if you thought that premise was sad, okay, here we go. 
A young woman reporter blames the Pittsburgh Pirates' losing streak on the obscenely abusive manager. While she attempts to learn more about him for her column, he begins hearing the voice of an angel promising him help for the team if he will mend his ways. As he does so, an orphan girl, who is a Pirates fan and has been praying for the team, begins noticing angels on the ball field. Sure enough, the Pirates start winning and McGovern tries to turn his life around. But can he keep his temper long enough for the Pirates to win the NL pennant? What? I want to see this movie immediately. Yeah, holy shit. I want to see the CGI angels. I mean, to be fair, JGL was almost an orphan. Yeah, no, too. pretty, pretty close. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. A... I remember, I remember JP, an adorable little black kid, oh, every time. I love JP. Right, Damn. right. Never talked unless he trusts you. He got no? there. He got there. He did. All right. So anyway, we'll cut back to. I don't know. That's it. We, it's four fifty nine, fifty nine seconds. Mm-hmm. We cut to black. Uh, so Jack now has a meeting. He cuts to black as he and uh, Nina stare at each other. A little sexual tension here. A little bit. Always. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, where do you think this episode is going? Or the, the season is going? Um, well, first off, that guy's going to be wearing a MAGA hat uh, to, me, <laughs> to me, Jack. So, I think it's going to be a little foreshadowing. And a little, it's going to be freaking people out like the pics of Nick Cage back in the 1800s. You know, be like, what? Didn't see that coming. Uh, so, here's that. Um, obviously, after Parslow has a selection of fine dildos in his case <laughs> let's and see if we can, say, Terry, we can get you memory remember. back remember yeah we can i mean if you want we can use 20 inch mastiff and i'll get your memory back immediately but it might hurt a little bit <laughs> good lord through, you oh. know so let's 20 inch long or around who knows man who knows i don't i don't know if the briefcase <laughs> it's your base it's got a, it's got a, a combination lock is he gonna when he opens it is it just gonna glow like the briefcase <laughs> yep. of pulp fiction yeah yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree that briefcase is full of sex, like, like hands <laughs> yeah, for, sh- for sure, 100%. which like seems weird to bring to the restaurant where you've had all your sexual rendezvous. But like, I mean, the man's a doctor; clearly, he knows things that I don't know. And the manager so, knows, knows them very well, so I assume yeah, I he's, think he's been joining in. And I mean, he was wearing a turtleneck. Mm. Um, the manager, like, I guess it was March in LA, so it's probably a little cool. But damn, yeah, not that cool. <laughs> uh. So yeah, so um, Dre's, it's got it's all across the fuck now. Okay, so does Dre's, um, does Dre's and Liver die? He did. He did. Okay. Mm. You, you don't think Jack's gonna get a chance to torture him? Because clearly, I, J- Jack's been I, that's his happy place. That's his laughing place. Jack's I don't been, think he's gonna go to the laughing place. He's been itching to torture something. He really has. Been. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna anger Andre enough that he'll make a mistake. This is where the mistake will come in in their plan, uh, and everything will fall to the powers. Well, what do we think? So I mean, clearly, you know, there are a couple of assassins on the loose. Well. <laughs> Uh, Mishko Suba is dead. Yovan is somewhere driving around the hills looking for Terry and Kim. Um, what do we think Drazen needed money for? Because clearly he was paying this guy that Jack's about to meet for something. And as far as we know, I mean, like, Drazen was there to kill Palmer. Um, there were, you know, someone was there to kill Jack's family, presumably Jack eventually. Like, clearly there's another wrinkle here. What What's going on? Well, the guy didn't say he had anything in return for them. So I assume that Drazen just has a ton of gambling. Hmm. Yeah. Probably probably a big old wedding ring for uh, for Elizabeth. <laughs> then you get her that rock. Really. He's just a diamond dealer. You okay. know, everyone's thinking he's uh, he's evil, but you know he's just gonna go pick a big diamond. Okay, that could be it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think there's something else. There's more something more to this Drazen plot than just killing Palmer and Jack. I, th- I think there's another wrinkle. I don't know what it is. I, mean, I do know this, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so Curtis, are you suspicious of anyone? Uh, I still don't like Alberta's face. Okay. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, Tony's in the clear. Let me give Tony the clear. I'm gonna give Mason. Mason seems like he doesn't want to tell Jack certain things. Um, yeah, I don't like. I don't know about Mason. I don't know about Aaron Pierce. Okay. Uh, because the Sears Orbs is really bad at the job today. Um, it's a fair point. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough. I mean, there's still somebody up top of the CTUs who's crooked part of the situation. Okay. Um, it's not. It's not. It, it could be Milo. Um, because everybody can hate his face a little bit, and I get that he's a, he's a contractor, so hopefully that's not the case, but I don't like it, so. How long into you the know? next episode are we going to have to wait for Kim and anti-Kim to, like, start beating this My money's on 45 minutes. Mm. Isn't that when the money's going to be there? I mean, yeah, you can't do it at the same time. Oh, that's a good point. Um, I, I feel like they're going to have to get somewhere. Like, they're going to yeah. be, they're going to venture somewhere, and then, like, Kim's going to want Rick to do something or need some help, and Auntie Kim is just going to blow up and, like, cause some, some obvious trouble, like, probably in front of a cop or something. This would be my there guess. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. But, uh, guys, I, it's 5 o'clock. Uh, we got just a few more hours left in the season. I, and, like, I, I thought there'd be more dead time in the second half. So, so far, it's been cruising right along at a, at a, a nice clip lately, and I, I like that. Um, so... Yeah, that'll do it for us tonight on uh, Longest Days of Our Lives, uh, moving into uh, Hour 18, which is pretty crazy. Um, if you want to find out more about this show, you can follow along at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, you can also find more information about uh, our sister show, Trends in Low Places, which Michael and I do, talking about dumb internet stories. Uh, occasionally, we have uh, some friendly guests, including Curtis in the past. Last week, we had my sister talking about... Uh, my family's brush with a uh, notorious cocaine drug lord. Uh, so that was pretty great. Um, but uh, yeah, you can follow along there. Guys, uh, Curtis, how else can people help us out? Yeah, find us on your podcast app of choice, guys, and download the podcast. Uh, get us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, SoundCloud, or on TuneIn uh, these days. And as all podcast addicts, uh, and download, review, and rate us. Um, and that helps us move the boards a little bit and up the charts, and we'll become a podcast juggernaut. Michael, how can they find us on social media? Yeah, you can find us at L-D-O-O-L-Cast on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and the best thing to do to help us out is to share uh, posts on Twitter and Facebook, uh, you know, retweet them, comment on them. Um, you know, it's the best way to get out to more people. Um, and we appreciate everyone who has been sharing and uh, retweeting and everything. It's awesome. It's awesome that we have a bunch of new listeners. Um you know, uh, we're just thrilled that people are actually listening to us talk about this 17, six, shocked. Yeah, 16 year old shocked. show. Uh, but we love doing it. So we're, we're happy that other people are enjoying it. Yeah. And, uh, thank God for Curtis's ongoing obsession with fucking Tom Hanks movies <laughs> to just infuriate and confuse me. Um, fellas, I think that's going to do it for us tonight on the longest days of our lives. It's been a pleasure talking with both of you. Love you guys. Fellas, <laughs> we're running out of time. Uh-huh. <laughs>